And so when I left you, although many uh, months ago it seems, um, I left you with, we're not going to insult the Holy Ghost. We're not going to grieve the Holy Ghost. We're not going to quench the Holy Ghost. We're not going to despise the Holy Ghost. And so I'm grateful um, for what we're going to talk about today because with some things that are going on in the body of Christ right now, I believe this is very important. So if you want to be a part of a Holy Ghost church, then you don't want to insult the Holy Ghost. You don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. You don't want to um, despise the Holy Ghost. You don't want to uh, do anything to quench his spirit. And the Bible talks about those things, and we went over them, and I'm not going to go over them again. So if we're not supposed to do that, um, I'm used to being in shorts, Anna. Anna, um, um, uh, So... um, uh, we don't want to do that, but then what do we have to do? Because, uh, you know, sometimes religion is don't do this. But we don't want to be religious, don't do this, a list of rules and regulations. Okay, so we understand for teaching what we're not supposed to do, what doesn't please him, but we always need to get to what does please him. What does he want? Because that's a relationship. In a, any relationship, you should be able to tell someone, I don't like this. This is what, this is what. This is what floats my boat. This is what cranks my tractor. I just gave you some Midwestern. uh, This is what cranks my tractor. This is what gets me going. And so the Holy Ghost said, this is what gets him going. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, it says, but covet earnestly the best gifts. Everybody say, covet earnestly. What does that mean? That means to eagerly desire. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way, and we know that way is love. But I want you to focus on that, but covet earnestly. Everybody say, I covet earnestly the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. What do we want? We want to see a power and demonstration. Done in love, but we have to, the Bible says, don't quench, don't insult, don't despise, don't don't do those things, but I need you to covet. Because see, we're taught don't covet, but in this, covet. I want this to happen. I want this, and, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not wanting it through me. It's irrelevant whether it comes through me or not. I want to see this. I want to see God move. I want to see, you and I are born, here it comes, y'all. You and I are born for an hour for the glory of God. You and I are born to see the glorious church. He's coming for a glorious church. He's not coming for a weak church. He's not coming for a wimpy church. He's coming for the glorious church. That's the church with the glory of God on it. It's a seeker, God-friendly kind of church. In other words, I'm seeking after the face of God. I'm seeking after his presence. I want him more than my daily bread. I want him more than anything. I want to see him move among the people. I want to see him show himself who he really is. I want him to manifest in his gifts. I want him to manifest in his power. I want him to demonstrate himself. I got to covet it though. And then it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, King James. Follow after love, agape, and desire spiritual gifts. So we need to covet earnestly. But then the scripture says, the Holy Ghost says, you got to desire these things. And so when you desire something, you want it more than anything else. I want to see God move more than anything else. I want to see God move more than my, me being comfortable. 
I want to see God move more than everything. Just go uh, when I want it to go and do what I want it to do, how I want it done. I, 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 I covet it. I desire uh, the, these manifestations. Uh, and then it says that rather you may prophesy, but I just want you to pick up on these words. Covet earnestly. Desire. Covet earnestly. Everybody say, I desire the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. It says, even uh, so you, for as much as you are zealous, covet earnestly, desire, be zealous. <laughs> That's a big word. And if you think about that word zealous, zealot, uh, that, is in, that is extreme. It's extreme. Extreme. It's extreme. When you're a zealot, we look at that as, a, as a, a negative term in some ways. But it just means I am more intense about this than I am about anything else in my life. I'm intent about seeing God move. I'm intent about seeing the glory of God. I'm intent about seeing the nine manifestations of the Spirit. I'm intent when the Word of God is preached that there are signs and wonders and miracles for today. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I'm zealous of spiritual gifts. And then it says, seek that you may excel into the church. But I want to see those again. So I want everyone to confess with me. Say, I covet earnestly. I desire after. And I'm zealous about. What am I zealous about? The, the manifestation of God. And I want you to understand in these contexts, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, love chapter 14, it's talking about the nine, we call them gifts of the Spirit. I really prefer to call them manifestations because when you get messed up, some people think gifts, that means they own it and they can operate it whenever they want. And we're not teaching on that right now, but you, you, it's not your gift. And it's as the Holy Ghost wills, even prophecy. You can't prophesy at will to anyone you want to. You can prophesy by speaking the word of God. You can give someone a word of encouragement, but, but these are all as the Holy Ghost wills. But I'm telling you, he's willing. He's more willing than you think. And when we don't see something, uh, and, and, and there are times when God specifically moves. There are times when he does things, which I see uh, the, the, the beginnings of in the body of Christ right now. I'm very excited about some things that are going on in the body of Christ. I'm very excited about it. I, I feel like we're at the end. Uh, we're, we're, start, we're at the 32nd for the microwave popcorn. Amen. You know, there's been a little pop here. There's been a little pop there. Come on. But you don't want to open the microwave too soon. You're not going to get a full bag, even though it's popping. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Ghost pop. And some things are happening. Some things are happening. But what is our part? What is our part? We're not going to insult him. We're not going to quench him. We're not going to despise him. We're not going to reject him. We're not going to push him away. But we are going to covet we are going to desire, and we're going to be zealous. I want you to think about that word. You go around talking about, I'm zealous for the things of God. I'm zealous for the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. And people will begin to call you extreme, and you say, thank you very much. I am extreme for God. I am extreme in wanting to see God move. Does God want to move? 
I promise you we're in the last of the last days and he's coming for a glorious church. What is a glorious church? A glorious church is a church with the glory of God on it. What is the glory of God? It is the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. What are the manifestations of the Holy Ghost? Well, there's nine, but there's so many things that he does apart from even those nine manifestations. But what is our part? Our part is not to quench, insult, despise, reject, push away, but our job is to covet. So when we gather together, we're just not paying our religious dues. We're not not getting together on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whenever we get together. It's not just going through the motions. I come wanting to see the Holy Ghost move. I want to see him move. I want to see him demonstrate himself. Amen. But now let me remind you of what I've taught you, uh, you know, earlier because, you know, when I first started this, the Holy Ghost told me I was going to have to do this. A Holy Ghost church doesn't mean that every Sunday everybody runs around the room. It doesn't mean that every service is ending with uh, laying on hands. It doesn't mean that every service everybody's laughing and swinging. If we had chandeliers, swinging from the chandeliers. Holy Ghost is, the Holy Ghost church is following the Holy Ghost. And so if he's teaching, I'm taking notes. If a spirit of prayer falls, I'm on my knees. If worship falls, amen. If we're, we hit a place there where if you notice it was spontaneous, Ted, we, we just kept going a little bit. What is it? What is that? We're following the Holy Ghost. Because see, if you're on a set schedule, this is his schedule. And I know even though we have two services, we got to keep it kind of tight. The nursery people tell me, but, uh, but you know, I do still want to follow the Holy Ghost. Amen. I believe he's in charge. And if we all listen to him, we'll get everything done. But we need to get done even within the time allowed, plus six or seven minutes. Hallelujah. Are you understanding? So everybody say, I covet, I desire, I'm zealous for the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Let's talk about this. And so this then relates to me, this portion of God. And I'm excited about it. Psalms 42, verses 1 and 2. Let's look at the Amplified Classic. Psalms 42, as the heart or the deer pants and longs for the water brook, so I pant and long for you. Let's just stop there before we go on. Thirsty. When you're thirsty, when you get real thirsty, you've been working real hard, you've been sweating. And you need a drink. That's where we got to get to. I don't know if we're there yet. God doesn't allow bad things to happen. Bad things happen because there's a devil. Because we live on the earth. But God will take those bad things. And I think right now, the last three years should show you, things can fall apart in a minute. But what do we got to do? There's a whole bunch of people thinking what we ought to do. But this is my goal for you. This kind of sums it up. Let's get hungry for God. Let's get thirsty for God. Be like this deer who only wants a drink of water and will do whatever it takes to get that drink. Verse 2. My inner self, my born-again spirit, I know this was the psalmist, but we could we can make it say this for us. My born again spirit, the temple, the real me on the inside. This is just the temple of the Holy Ghost. The real me on the inside. It thirsts for God. 
it thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? I'm more interested in his face than in his hands. Let me say that to you again. I'm more interested in his face than his hands. I appreciate everything he gave me. I appreciate everything his hand has done for me. It is outstretched. It is not closed up. But I am not looking to his hand. If I look to his face, I'll get his hands. Now, if you just look to his hands, you'll probably get from him because he's just that good. But it's a slight adjustment looking full into his wonderful face. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm like this deer. I need some water. And you better get out of my way when I see some. Because I'm going after it. I'm thirsty. Everybody say, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Ooh, glory to God. Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2 out of the New Living Translation. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this earth in 2023... In a parched and weary land where there is no water. Well, what is that saying? I can't get my water from the world. I can't, that will not satisfy me. I'm just going to be, you know, I'm 60, so I'm going to be a little more. Politics doesn't satisfy me. Having the right person here or there doesn't satisfy me. Being known by what my outward temple looks doesn't satisfy me. Amen. I am only going to be satisfied when I get my thirst quenched by a living God. Oh God, you are my God. Father God, you are my very own Father. I earnestly, I covet, I desire, I'm zealous, I search for you. Not because he's hiding. He's always been sitting on the throne. And you and I have an open invitation. To come boldly before the throne of grace. But my soul is thirsty. My whole body longs for you. (laughs) No, my soul's thirsty. See, my thirst is not going to help your thirst. You got to get thirsty on your own. Are you thirsty? Uh, Come on. Can anything in this weary land satisfy you? It cannot. There's one God, your Father, who can really satisfy you. But what he is inviting you to do in this hour and this time is to be thirsty, to be hungry, so that he can manifest himself in his glory and in his power and in his gifts. Because it's, he's always done it. He's done it since the day of Pentecost. This has always been available. And there's been seasons and people and things that have happened that have been raised up. Their rain has come. It has fallen on certain cities and certain churches and certain people groups. But right now, it's our time. Right now is our time. I've waited way too long for this. Preached many sermons about it to let it get by me this time. I've participated in things before, but I'm telling you what, the embers, there's some things happening, and I might get into it in just a minute, but my soul thirsts. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm thirsty, Lord. Say, my body longs. Why? Because your flesh needs, you, thank God you're born again, your spirit. You need to renew your mind, your will, give it to him, your emotions, get them healed. But this body is what needs the Holy Ghost the most. 
(laughs) I need God on my body. I need God, the power of the Holy Ghost, to get on my temple. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My body even longs. Verse (laughs) 2. I have seen you in your sanctuary. I've seen it before. I've touched his glory. I've touched his power. We've seen him manifest himself in a storefront, in an A-frame, and in this building. And in the next one, we're going to see him. Amen? Amen. We're going to see, the building doesn't matter. It's the people that matter that are hungry for God. Come on, we cannot get into a place of complacency where we're just good with church as normal. I am hungry for a move of God. I am hungry for the Holy Ghost. My body longs after the Holy Ghost. Because <laughs> I've seen him. Have you seen him? I've gazed on your power. But what is it? The key is hunger. Uh, you know this one, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Everybody say, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty after righteousness. Ooh. Now let's look at this one. Luke chapter 6, verse 21, Amplified Classic. I just got so happy with this one. Blessed, happy, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, (laughs) apart from your outward condition and one to be envied. We just got to look at that again. Everybody say, I'm blessed. blessed. I'm happy. I have life, joy. I'm satisfied. In God, because I've got favor and I got his salvation. And it's apart from how I look on the outside, how I feel on the outside, what everybody's saying on the outside. And so that makes me envied. <clears throat> are, who though? Are you who hunger and seek with eager desire now, for you shall be filled and completely satisfied, blessed, happy, Here it is again. With life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from your outward condition. So it's not about your outward condition. It's about what you believe. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. But this is what's been promised for the hungry. This is what's been promised for the thirsty. You are going to get to the place where you're envied. Hallelujah. People are going to look at your life and say, how did you, who used to be in a dunghill, get raised up and get seated with the princes? How are you so happy? How are you so full of joy? Because I was hungry and I was thirsty and I ran into God and I saw him and he filled me. Hallelujah. It changed my life. Even if you're weeping right now, even if you're sobbing right now, I love that. Even if you're sobbing right now, because you're going to laugh, because you're going to laugh. Sowing, I sowed in tears, but I reaped in joy. I sowed in tears. Come on, weeping may last for a night. Let's call the night over. Hallelujah. What do you say? Let's call it over. And joy comes in the morning. Why? To who? The hungry? To who? The thirsty? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, I don't believe this was just like, hey, everybody. He was passionate. If anybody's thirsty, what's he passionate about? Are you thirsty? What's he need you to be? Thirsty? If you're ready to get rid of your religion, 
I'm about to offer you a relationship. If you're ready to trade in something, I'm about to... He cried. He shouted. He told everybody, everybody get ready, get ready, get ready. Because if you're thirsty, if you'll come to me and drink. Hallelujah, verse 38. He said, he that believes on me, that's us. As the scripture said, out of his belly... Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers. Rivers always speaks of the move of the Holy Ghost. Wells of salvation speak, wells of water speak of salvation. So he's talking about here the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's talking about the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And he said, if you're thirsty, if you're really hungry, if you'll come to me and you'll believe on me out of your belly, out of your belly. Everybody say, out of my belly, out of my belly will flow rivers, rivers, rivers. So I've been meditating on this. You know, uh, you know there's some revival talk going on. And, you know, uh, I found it interesting that um, people, what do you think about it? I think anytime God's moving, I'm in. Well, it's not, I don't care. Uh, if God's moving and, really, and there's producing God results, I'm in. Yeah, but their doctrine. You know what? I have found out with God, I am a doctrine man. Around here, I like to be the Ephesus church. I believe in sound doctrine. We're not changing our doctrine. You know, we're going to stick with the word. We're keeping learning. But what I have found when it comes to this is God will pass over the doctrinally correct to get to the hungry. Now, you see, I don't really like that in, in this way because... But I do believe you can be doctrinally correct and hungry. But the thing about the doctrinally correct is they end up getting a little snooty. And even the church at Ephesus said, you got to be careful of something. You're going to lose your first love. And he, that infraction alone was equal to the others that had seven or eight infractions that he's going to come take the candlestick. So we, we can't, we, we got to stay in love with Jesus and the hungry and thirsty. You know, I was thinking about it. If, uh, in the early 1900s, if uh, social media had been a thing back then, I can just see it now. Black man with a, uh, 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 a thing over his head and praise. Says God is moving. Y'all come. The criticism that would have come at that hour, at that day. And, and, and this too. He's got a bunch of women in leadership. Don't go there. Be careful what spirit you'll get. I could have seen it now. It would have been everywhere. Don't go there. Don't go there. They say God's moving. But you know, on the hindsight is every major Pentecostal denomination can be traced back to Azusa Street. Listen to me. I want to tell you this. I've been telling you this for a couple years about everything. Stay away from the critics. You know what a critic is? Somebody who can't have themselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with making sure things are doctrinal and you stay doctrinal, but catch the spirit of some things that are going on. Lord, I, this is my attitude. Lord, don't pass us by. I've been waiting. Don't pass us by. You know, um, back in the 90s, um, Winter Bible Seminar just got over at, at Kenneth Hagin Ministries. and uh, It was a special time. Brother Hagin was there alive. And um, <clears throat> um, 
it was in the sanctuary that we're in now, but services would start at 10.30, but if you wanted to get a seat, you'd have to come at 6.30 in the morning or 7. And then if you wanted a seat for the night service, when it was over at noon, you had to get in line unless you wanted to sit up in the nosebleed. Well, I don't do nosebleed. So we used to have a group of us. What? It's good for you, Pastor. No, listen to me. We have a group of us. We'd stand in line. Make sure you had good shoes. And we'd take bathroom breaks. And we ain't going to lose our place. And when the doors opened, Lord, those are some good ushers. They needed combat pay. Because people would run. <laughs> run to the front. Why? Because they were hungry. Not for a man. Not for Kenneth E. Jesus was showing up. The power of God was there. Well, I believe it's going to happen again. I believe it is happening now. But it's not happening here or there like where it should. You, you're not, you, you, guess what? You're not, the, you're not the one. The Lord is the one. And the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. So there was a bunch of teenage, uh, you know, young adults who we've been praying for around here that are from 18 to 30. I, sure, I'd like it to move here. But they're young adults. The, he told me they're the generation of the upright. And they're going to surprise you one day. And so a, a ten, I don't know what the count is, 10, 13 of them got hungry for God and stayed. And then stayed and stayed. And then God began to move. And now things are happening everywhere. So, Pastor Mark, what do you think about it? I think where God is moving, I think it is awesome. That's what I think about it. That's what I think about it. Is it clear what I think about it? Hallelujah. I want God to move here. He has moved here. He is moving here. But what do we got to be? I got to be more hungry. I got to be more thirsty. I got to be able, I want him more than my daily bread. I got to give him my time. I got to show up. Hallelujah. I got to be there. Hallelujah. I'm hungry. Just think about, though, the Azusa Street Revival. You can trace every major Pentecostal denomination to a man who could not even sit in his own Bible class, had to sit in the hallway, and he didn't let it get on him. He didn't let it get on him. He decided, I'm going to obey God anyway. And he moved to California. He got up a truck. He was like the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, I know you don't know that. <clears throat> Put granny on the back seat in a rocker. I met Ellie, by the way. She's a Raymond graduate. Yeah, Donna. Yeah, she's a Raymond graduate. One time I was working at McDonald's, and she came through during winter Bible seminar. I'm like, Ellie Mae! <laughs> And then brother, she used to be there. Anyway, uh, anyway, but he moved to California. Obeyed God. Women leaders, unheard of in that day. Enter, entered, uh, you know, uh, just not denominational, not anything. Uh, multicultural. He was multicultural before multicultural was a thing. It was just God. He used to put, what is it, a basket or something over his head when he prayed. But when he took it off, power came. There's stories about it. We're not going to try to recreate Azusa Street. We can't. How God wants to do it this way. And, and listen, even the Lord's been dealing with me. My slice of the Holy Ghost that I like is not the only way he moves. I like him to move that way, though. <laughs> However he wants to move. 
Everybody say, I'm hungry. hungry. Are you thirsty? Then this is what's going to happen, John 7, 39. But he spake of the Spirit, which he that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But has the Holy Ghost been given now? Yes. So is this available? Yes. Hallelujah. Psalms 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. The enemy is doing all kinds of things, but we're not concerned about him. You anoint my head with oil. God answers with, your cup runs over. If you're hungry, you're thirsty. What's going to happen to you? Right in the very presence of your enemies, your cup's going to run over. Amen? Amen. Psalms 36, 8 and 9. Psalms 36. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. I just like that. With the fatness of thy house. And you shall make them drink of the river, talking about a move of God, of thy pleasures. So what's going to happen if you're hungry and thirsty? You're going to be satisfied with the fatness of God's house, all that he has, and he's going to make you drink and, uh, out of the river, out of the Holy Ghost, and it's going to bring pleasure. It's going to bring change to your life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 9. For with thee is the fountain of life. Hallelujah. Psalms 107, verse 9. For he satisfies, who? The casual soul. The religious soul. The one who's been doing this a really long time. No, he satisfies the longing soul. So no matter how long you've been doing it, you still got to have that hunger. You still got to have that thirst. Amen? And he fills hungry soul with goodness. Amen? I'm going to help you. And this is not about you because you're in the room. This is going to help you help your friends and your family. Are you ready for something? So as I was meditating on this, the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, um, uh, what, and and I had this before in another sermon many years ago, but I was studying something. He brought it back up, so I found it. And uh, he said to me, uh, when someone is physically sick, most of the time they lose their desire for food. They, they, and maybe not so much thirst, but they do, you know, they're not, as, they're not hungry. They're not thirsty like they used to because they're physically sick in their body. And the Holy Ghost said to me, there are signs of spiritual. Now, understand there's nothing wrong with your spirit, man. You are perfect. It's not healed. It's not, it's not bruised. It doesn't need healed. But, and let me just say it this way. There are signs when people are not, uh, I, I would call it spiritual sickness, but I, want, I don't want you to think there's anything wrong with your spirit. Are we all clear on that? My point is, how can you tell if someone's on the decline? If they're no longer hungry, they're no longer thirsty. There's something wrong. And so this is not for you, unless you need it. So number one, what is the sign of someone who's not hungry, who's not thirsty? Number one, they have uh, no appetite for the Word of God. In other words, uh, you know, if they hear it occasionally uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, that's okay. Or if they don't hear it, it, it's not part of their daily life. You know, uh, I heard Sister Opal teach this in healing school. You know, we give our, our body um, three healthy meals a day. Um, you know, some of you four. Uh, and then you just try to live off a cold snack. Well, you're not getting a cold snack on Sunday morning. But you don't, you don't really... Take the word of God. If, if, if you need that much food, natural food, how much more do you need the word of God? 
So you should be giving your way. A sign of hungry and thirsty is that you're hungry for the word of God. If you're losing your edge on your hunger and your thirst for God, then the word of God is no longer first in your life. It's just something you can do when you get around to it. Praise the Lord. Number two, another sign is there's the, your prayer life begins to diminish. You're not hungry. And I'm not talking about believing that you receive for yourself. I'm talking about the fellowship part. Spending time with the Lord. Spent taking moments away where nobody can disturb you, even if you got to go get into a natural closet so that you can be with the Lord. A lady that I follow after, uh, they were renovating her house, and I think they were renovating her bedroom, and, and she spends a lot of time with the Lord, and there was all this noise going on, so she went to her garage and got in her car and locked it and spent some time with the Lord. Whatever you got to do. Yeah, but I got babies, I know, and the Lord knows that. But you don't need an hour. If you only got five minutes, take five minutes and get with the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's a sign that we're spiritually not hungry and not thirsty is that we need prayer and fellowship. So what I got to do to fix this? Well, number one, um, I'm just going to start reading the Bible even when I don't feel like it. Right? I'm going to read Pastor Mark's Daily Bread even when I don't think it applies to me, but it always does. Hallelujah. I'm 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 going to read a chapter a day. I'm going to read two or three verses. Whatever it is for you, do it. Don't compare yourself. Do something, though. And you don't have to read it out of the King James Version either. You can read it out of New Living. Come, your phone, download an app or something. You can have 30 translations to pick from. Oh, I get it. Read, read a chapter out of 20 translations in one day. I mean, you'll be full. Hallelujah. Anyway, hallelujah. So number two is then what I got to do. Well, I just got to on purpose schedule some time with God. Number three. Hallelujah. Y'all good? You can tell when someone's not spiritually hungry or thirsty is when the praise and worship is kicking. When the praise is hot, they can't get in. It's just a song to them. There's no praise in their heart. There's a difference in singing a song and praising God. And when the, the worship goes deep, they stay shallow. That's how you can tell when someone's not hungry and not thirsty. Their praise is no longer vibrant. Their worship is no longer deep. What do you got to do? I got to push past that. I got to tell my body to be quiet. I got to tell my opinion to shut up. We do our best around here to give you songs that uh, that minister to the Lord that are good. Uh, they may not all be perfect, but you know I'm not like some other people. I get it. They won't sing something if one word is wrong. Uh, I, I trust that we teach you well enough to know you know the heart of it. Now other people's will disagree, but they don't. You know, it's not their church. Hallelujah. So. We do the best we can. I'm just telling you, push past it. Get in some, what is, it's a sign of spiritual um, lack of hunger. Okay? Number four. Um, y'all good? Yes. Number four, the other sign of not being spiritually hungry or thirsty is you don't want to fellowship with other saints. The Lord gave me these. And I got scripture for all of them. How many of you know we're supposed to assemble ourselves together? But even after the day, day of Pentecost, they were fellowshipping with one another, breaking bread with one another. So pulling away from the saints is a sign of lack of hunger, lack, lack of thirst. Hallelujah. Um, we'll, just, we'll just move on since you're all thrilled about this. Hallelujah. Number five, uh, they don't desire to go to church regularly. So that doesn't include any of you. Hallelujah. But, you know, we'll substitute something else. It doesn't matter if we go once a month. 
doesn't matter if we go every other, uh, you know, we don't have to be there every time the doors are open. You don't have to be here every time the doors are open. You just need to be here when the Lord tells you to be here, and he tells you to be here regular. Oh, this is getting good. It started really good, and now it's tapering down. Number six, you can tell when someone's not spiritually hungry. The Lord gave me these. They don't want to serve anymore. They don't want to serve anybody. They want to be served. Praise the Lord. Number seven, they're giving. Oh, they're giving decreases or stops altogether. Because where your heart is, there's your treasure. Signs. Hallelujah. Well, you can help somebody. If you see somebody like that, what do I got to do? Encourage them. You don't have to say, pastor says you're sick. <laughs> now get you behind the church. Well, that's not going to work. Encourage them. Let's do this together. Like someone physically who doesn't exercise and you know they need to exercise, what do you do? You grab them by the hand, buy them a pair of tennis shoes. Hey, let's go for a walk together. Why? Oh, because I just want to spend time with you. You don't have to tell them because you need to get your behind out. Because that's not going to work. Spiritually, the same thing. You see people. Encourage them. When people, do you praise and worship? What you can do best for someone who's not as hungry and as thirsty as you is you can just praise God anyway. Be like King David. You ain't seen nothing yet, baby. Hallelujah. Do you want God to move? Are we coveting? Everybody say, I covet earnestly. I desire. I'm zealous for. Hallelujah. Just one last thing as we go. Acts chapter 10. There was a man who really you could say was the father of the Gentile church. Because of him, the Gentile, the Lord picked him. The Lord chose him to start the Gentile church. And you know him. He's Cornelius. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Acts chapter 10, 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Verse 2. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house. He gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now, we know about him. We know about his family, and we even know somewhat about some friends because uh, as the Lord came to him, he gathered them all together so that they could be, so Peter could minister to them. But why Cornelius? Why his house? Why did God fall at his house? and no one else's house. He's got a church, start this Gentile church somewhere. There is probably a proselyte somewhere around there who was a Gentile that he technically could have used. There was somebody that maybe had been following him around that he could, he could have went back to the woman at the well. But he chose this man who we'd never heard about before. And suddenly God says, there. There. Holy Ghost, pour out your spirit there. I want to be there. What I got to do? Well, here we see four keys. If you've been coming on Wednesday night, you heard some of it. But number one, he was a devout man. He was a holy man. He was a good man. Devout means to me not just religious, but he was just overall a good man. And the Lord looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. 
He, we got to know that he was a military guy, but that's not the reason that God chose him. The reason God chose him was, number one, he was devout. He honored God. He was there. And then the next one is big. But the next one is big. He feared. He reverently honored God. He didn't know everything about God. He wasn't born again. But he heard of God. He saw God. And and he decided to follow God even though he wasn't born again. And he was devout. and, And he reverenced the almightiness of God. And that reverence in him drew God to him. And I believe anything lacking in the church today and in our culture and in the United States of America, it's reverence and awe for God. Number three, he gave alms. Now, alms, if he was given alms, he was tithing and giving offerings. Because alms is something you usually give to the poor where nobody, nobody know you gave. In other words, he was secretly funding things, but it wasn't a secret to God. He, he was maybe secretly running an orphanage. He was secretly building a synagogue. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't doing anything for show. He was like, the, and, and so this guy, much alms means this guy is loaded. He's got money because he's given much alms. So if he's given much alms, he's a tither and he's a giver. You don't give alms unless you're a tither or a giver as a whole. And, and just like the woman that gave her might to the Lord, the Lord watched it. Why? Because your giving and your finances are connected with your heart. And you as well figure that out and get over it. If you say, well, no, 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 no. The Bible says it is. It is. It is. Well, how little can I give God? Well, how little can you get from God? And I'm not talking about money. Because because if you are a withholder, then he's going to have to withhold from you. Everything that I have is his. You know, I've had the Lord ask me some interesting things over the years. I had this, uh, it's interesting, but everything I had, I had this prized possession. It was a stupid prized possession. It was a fake Rolex watch from Thailand. And I remember how fake it was because one time, the ba- I wore it all the time. I loved it. I thought it was cool. I remember how fake it was because I took it into a jeweler, gave it to him to put a new battery in it. He threw it at me. He said, get that out of here. He said, I'm not touching that. He's just like a hot potato. He's like, oh, I like my fake Rolex. And one day the Lord said, give that away. What? That was only five bucks. That don't mean nothing to nobody. He said, give it away. And then there was something tied to it. Some things that you have, there's things tied to it that you don't even know. I'll tell you what it was. He said, give it to this person. It's fake because they are, and I'll send you the real. Now I got some real watches, but I also got some real good help now. Hallelujah. What in the world? Let's get to this one. Pray to God. Always fellowship. What caused the Holy Ghost to fall? So what kind of people should we be? Devout. The awesomeness of God. 
givers. Not because we have to, not because we're trying to get something. Heart. And someone who just likes to spend time with God. Can we all tweak in this area? We can. Are we going to tweak in this area? I hope so. Because if God is pouring his spirit out, and I know that he is. I know it's not scriptural, but kumbaya. (laughs) He's already here, but you know what I mean. We don't want to be left out. God's moving. What's it more about? It's about our heart. Everybody say, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for the living God.